Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Thank you, Wayne. Wayne said it's good to see me. Wayne, it's great to see you. <laughs> I just got back from uh, the Northern Hills Church. I, I preached early in the first service this morning, and then I drove quickly to Northern Hills, and I spent, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it was with them. They're doing a, uh, the transition from the management team that has been kind of overseeing Peter and his work with the Northern Hills Church since they planted three years ago. Uh, we, we handed that management responsibility over to the church this morning. So there's a team of leaders that have accepted now that responsibility. So I was grateful that we could uh, uh, be there for that. And uh, I should probably say to Helen that uh, Carrie and LaVon were there. So hi from them. Uh, yeah, and some of you would know Carrie and LaVon. They were there, Peter's parents. That was great to see them. But it was just a wonderful time together of, you know, being able to say uh, to the church there, you know, God has blessed you. He has done wonderful things here and is carrying on uh, the blessing and the work through Peter uh, here at Northern Hills that God wants to do. So I'm, I'm just grateful that all of that happened, is happening, and it was, uh, it was just wonderful to be there. So continue to pray for Northern Hills and their work as they uh, attempt still to do, of course, what God wants them to do. It was, uh, it was a great morning. There are signs everywhere uh, that I see around our church that people in our church, and I hope this is you, view themselves as being not of the world, but definitely in the world. My sense is that every time we befriend a homeless person and feed them a lunch, or every time someone is invited to come and uh, participate in the knitting group here on Tuesday afternoons, and if some lady goes and picks up an elderly lady and brings her here when she couldn't otherwise be here, or if we give out food to a homeless person or to a family that needs it, every time we do something like that, my sense is that we're doing it because we are not of the world, but we find ourselves in the world. And the world needs our presence because they need the presence of Jesus. And so we do things like that. We as a church family participate in various ministries, and we do things because Jesus is here working among us. Uh, last Saturday, not yesterday, but last Saturday, I sat among a group, uh, amongst a group of people down in our gym talking about how we can uh, be better life group leaders. Life group ministry is something we've had for years now. Michael led us through a whole uh, morning of talking about how it is that we can be the best life group leaders that we can be. And I was sitting there thinking during the course of that, this is so cool that these people are willing to give up a Saturday morning, come down here and sit and learn and listen to how they might be better life group leaders. Yesterday, we had about 25 people or so that were here for uh, friend speak training. There were probably nine or 10 people who were brand new who were part of the friend speak training yesterday morning. And Andrea Muirhead was here along with Alicia Krogsgaard from uh, Sask uh, Regina. And they were here talking about how we can do friend speak as best we can. And so there's nine or ten new friend speak readers that were trained yesterday. In addition to that, there were probably about 14, 15 people that were here who are uh, experienced friend speak uh, workers and who have readers. Uh, we have about 20 folks now with whom we're reading. We've got 
17 or 18 people who are currently reading with those readers, and they're reading through the Gospel of Luke together. Well, why is it that people would give up this Saturday morning to come? And it really was a lot more than Saturday morning. I think they started about 9.30. We finished about 4, maybe 4.30. So it was a long day, actually, of doing some training and thinking about how it is that we can share with people the good news of Jesus. Why would people do that? Well, there's got to be some reason. So I'm kind of asking that question this morning. Why would they do this? Why would people give up a Saturday morning like that? And there, again, I, I think there's got to be some good reasons. And this morning, I want to kind of frame what I think is at least one answer for that, which I think is uh, right at the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So I'd like for you, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. If you're looking at a pew Bible, it's on page 852. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to look at verses 32 through 38. love to hear the pages turning in your Bibles. That's so cool. Although I'd really like it if you knew your Bible so well that you just went right to Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And then listen to this description. He says, there were others who were tortured refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. You know, it's at points like this that I'm grateful the kids aren't in here. They were in the first service. I was talking about this kind of stuff, and about halfway through I thought, there's probably mothers in there ready to put their hands over the ears of their children. The Bible can at places be... uh, for those 18 and over. Because there's some gruesome things in the scriptures. They were put to death by stoning, sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Man. I, don't, I have never ended up in a hole in the ground because of my faith. But it happened to some who were in love with God. Well, when I read all of this and I read the description of all the horrific things that those who loved God have gone through, I then tend to ask myself again the question, why would they do this? Why would they? Why would they do such a thing? And then I hear things like this. In February of 2015, so two years ago, basically, ISIS paraded down to a beach in Libya, 21 Egyptian men. They'd come from Egypt. They'd gone to Libya to work. These are not missionaries. These are just normal Christians 
They'd gone to Libya to work. They were pulled out of their beds in the middle of the night and kidnapped. They were taken to this beach along the Mediterranean Sea. And 21 of them were beheaded. They weren't special servants of Christ. Although, I want to stop now and say, of course they were. They were simply Christians who refused to compromise their faith, who lived in a Muslim culture as Christians, despite the dangers, because they believed in Jesus. And they continued to honor Christ. To the very end, dying as martyrs and refusing to compromise their faith. And so this is not some mock picture here. This wasn't set up. There's a video, a whole video of the entire incident. I've watched a portion of it as they march these guys down the beach and then put them in this position and they behead them. Why would they do this? Why would those who are faithful to Jesus continue to be faithful despite what they're facing? This is a photograph of Otto Neurer. Following the Nazi annexation of Austria in probably about 38 or 39, there were many priests who were arrested, and Neurer was one of them. He was serving as a parish priest in Gotzens near Innsbruck at the time. He advised, here, here was his crime. He advised a girl not to marry a divorced man of questionable morality. It turned out that the man was a personal friend of the Nazi party leader in the area. And so he was arrested on the charge of, quote, unquote, slander to the detriment of German marriage. He was sent to Dachau and later to Buchenwald, where he faced torture. And after he agreed, he was in the prison camp and someone came to him and asked him to baptize them. And because he agreed to perform this baptism, Norah was sent to the punishment block in the prison and he was hanged upside down until he died on May 30th, 1940. I've baptized some folks. No one's ever threatened to hang me because I did. This is a Chinese pastor, Yang Hua, if I've said that right. On January 5th of 2017, he was sentenced to two years and six months in prison. He's been gone from his family since December 9th, 2015. He's been tortured. He's been threatened. There have been charges that have been trumped up against him. In the course of it, he had the privilege, actually, of suing through his lawyers those who were prosecuting him. But they didn't back down. They didn't resign. And they eventually provided forged evidence that implicated him and allowed the authorities to hold on to him. So recently, he was seen taking a trip. That's what they called it. He's taking a trip. He hasn't been seen since. His wife came to pick him up at one point in December 
of 20th, December 20th, 2015, after he'd been held for a while, at that point she saw four men put a black hood on her husband before she could get to him. They threw him in an unmarked van, and she hasn't seen him since. And my question this morning is, why would they do this? Why would Otto Norerer and Yang Hua be willing to have this kind of treatment? You know, I know there's a difference between picking up an elderly lady who needs a ride and bringing her here for knitting and hanging upside down until you're dead. There's a difference. I know that. There's a difference between feeding some homeless alcoholics here on a Wednesday for lunch and being imprisoned for years. There's a difference between having someone parade you down to a beach and take off your head and being willing to hand out food to the homeless here at the building. I know there's a difference between all those things and coming here and learning how to be a better life group leader. But it seems to me that there are some things about all of that that are common. There is a common perspective, a common attitude present among us. And that attitude has to do with the same kind of things that the folks in Hebrews 11 experienced. That attitude has to do with willing, being willing to say of ourselves... That this is not our home. That we have somewhere else that we call home. That our hearts and our minds and our lives are actually directed somewhere else. And that we don't love this world. Instead, what we love is our Lord and Savior. What we care about is the one who died for us. And because he died for us and we care for him, we give ourselves completely to him. Even if it means, potentially, for some of us, death. And right now, we we can't begin to imagine that that would happen to us. And maybe it never will. Maybe it will be hundreds of years before any of us, any ancestor of our, uh, descendant of ours, ever has to face anything like that. But there are people who love the Lord Jesus Christ the way that we do, and they confess Jesus as Lord the way that we do, and they've had to make incredible sacrifices for the cause of Christ. And when you ask, why would they do this? It's because this is not their home. They are aliens and strangers here. And so I read passages like this. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Do not love the world. I don't know how it could be any clearer, but boy, we wrestle with this. It is so easy to love the world. Last night in a life group at my house, we were talking about some of these things. And I just said to them, you know, there are some things in this world that I love. And not all of this is bad, of course. Like, aren't you grateful that God created the Rocky Mountains? Aren't you grateful that God created beautiful rivers and trees and snow? No, 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 
not the snow. No, I'm grateful for the snow as well. Sometimes. There's so many wonderful things about our world. I'm grateful for the opportunity to live and to work and, and to, to eat all the abundant things that we have the privilege of eating. I'm so grateful for joy and friendship and people and, and even the, you know, the animals that we, that we get to enjoy in this world. And there's just so many blessings. All of that is wonderful. But clearly, there needs to be a love that we hold for God that is different than the way that we love the things in the world to the point where we can say, I just really want to be with God. And so, 1 Peter 1, 17 through 19 says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time here. What's the next word, folks? As foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or or defect. We are foreigners here, it says. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. But it all depends on whether or not you are a foreigner here, whether or not you realize that you are an exile here. And if you are, then you have the chance to live in such a way that others will look at you and say, you know, he is different. He just doesn't act like the rest of us. He doesn't focus on the same things. Those aren't his concerns. And that's because we are foreigners and we're exiles and we are not here the same way that everybody else is here. James chapter 4, verse 4. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. That's strong language. Being a friend of the world, James says, means being an enemy of God. And that means, I think, that we end up set apart. That we have to perceive ourselves as being different from those in the world. God wants us to be different, that we might have the kind of impact on our world that he wants us to have. And so when we see ourselves as different and we do these good things in the name of Jesus, then they can look at us and say, look at their lives, look at their deeds. We need to praise this God who works among them. But if we look just like the rest of the world, and if we're as in love with the world as everyone else is, if that's where our priorities and our goals and our foci and everything is there, then we look just like them and there simply is no difference where they can say, oh, let's praise their God. So we return to the book of Hebrews and listen to these words. As all these people were still living by faith when they died, and it's the catalog of faith in the book of Hebrews, all these people who are faithful to God, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. That's what enabled those in that great hall of fame in Hebrews 11 
the great hall of fame of faith to be who they were. They viewed themselves as foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And he's prepared a city for us. We have a chance to go and to be with God and to live for him in a way that it's just not the same thing. It's different than living here where we find ourselves aliens and strangers. And I think it's appropriate for us to maybe ask this question. Why would they do this? And why would we do this? Isn't it because they saw themselves as foreigners and strangers on the earth? Isn't it because this world is not something God wants us to be in love with? But rather he wants us to be entirely in love with. With him. And that's kind of the question of the morning. Are you entirely in love with God? Are you entirely in love with Jesus? Do you love the fact that the Holy Spirit works in your life? Do you recognize that you are a stranger and an alien here and that you always will be? The fact that they could do this, that they could give their lives in this way, isn't it because they were not about seeking treasures or answers or satisfaction or purpose or direction or joy or peace or status or self-esteem from the things of this world? Isn't that the case? And they didn't have to be taken out of the world in order for this to be the case. They were not separatists. You know, we don't find in the Bible the notion that we should all go off to some place in Egypt, into a desert, and form some kind of lonely, cordoned off, separate community where we can be separate from the world. It doesn't ever say that. Instead, it says that we are here. Maybe not part of it, but definitely in it. And so we seek justice and pursue it. We seek peace and pursue it. We give to others. We meet real needs. At least we try to meet them. We serve others. We don't find ultimate pleasure in earthly things. We don't pursue the earthly things. We don't live for the earthly things. We don't spend our time focused on the earthly things because we are strangers here. And that's one of the things that I love about our church. You know, I look around this room right now and there are people that I see all the time who are giving themselves to Jesus in such a way that shows me that they think of themselves as strangers here and at home only with the Lord. And they care about serving others more than they care about retirement. There are people in our church who care more about living such great lives among the pagans so that they'll see their good works and praise our Heavenly Father than they do about living for pleasure and ease. There are people in our church who on a regular basis give up their time, they give up their money, they give up their effort, they give up their leisure, and it's all for the cause of Christ. There are people in our church who swallow their pride who set aside their own wills, who deny themselves, and who in humility choose to become humble servants following Jesus. And I'm so 
grateful. I need you. I need to have people around me who are giving themselves completely to Christ in that way, making sacrifices of their lives, being humble servants, and who simply want to to live for Jesus because this is not their home and they know it. You know what the Bible calls people who live like that? Christian disciples. Followers of Jesus. That's what we've been looking at. Come, follow me. And they left everything and followed him. And there are scores of people, hundreds, thousands, who over the years have given themselves in this way to Jesus. And there are people in our church who've given themselves to Christ in exactly that way. They are Christ followers. And, and I'm, by the way, when I say Christ followers, I'm not just talking in general terms. Look at this. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. So he's in the world. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of this world. And then look what he says. They are not of this world any more than I am of this world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am. I'm not of it. Jesus is not of the world. And it shouldn't surprise us when he and his word and the spirit, therefore, asks of us that we not be part of it. He was not part of it and neither were the early Christians and neither are we. Well, we are still here, though. We are Christ's followers living in the world, even if not of it. We're not loving the world, but we are living here as strangers and aliens, exiles in our own land, simply because we love Christ more than we love the world, and we choose to follow him. This morning, I want to ask you to do that. You know, it's still part of the new year. We're still, what is it, it's January 15th. One twenty-fourth of the way through 2017. It's still relatively early. This morning, it's appropriate for us to ask the question of each other, will you be this person who looks at the world and says no, and looks at Jesus and says, I want you? What is it in your life this morning that you need to set aside. There's a good chance that there's something. There's something you need to set aside. There's something you need to give up. There's something that you need to think less about in order to be his fully devoted follower. What is it? And what decision do you need to make about it? What tough, challenging, sacrificial, noble decision do you need to make this morning that puts you in a place where you can say, in making this choice, in making this sacrifice, I am deciding to follow Christ? Because chances are there is something. And I don't want to leave here this morning without having at least caused you to think a little bit about the question, are you going to choose 
to give up something that's in the way in choosing Jesus. And so I want to encourage you to make it. Make that decision. Make the choice. It may be difficult because the things in this world look really sweet sometimes. But God wants you to make this choice where you say, it's not the world I want, it's Jesus I want. And so make the decision even though it's hard. For God's sake, make it. Follow Him. Follow Him right now. Make the decision to be the fully devoted follower of Jesus that He wants you to be. And put the things of the world that stand in the way behind you. Can you do that? I hope you can. And I'm going to pray right now that you do. Let's bow. Lord, we all have things that stand in our way. And prevent us from giving ourselves completely to you. There are things, Father, that keep us from being the fully devoted disciples, the Christ followers that you want us to be. A lot of that, God, has to do with our world and how attractive it is. You've made a beautiful world. It is wonderful in so many respects. We're so grateful for what you've given us. But sometimes, God, our hearts and our minds turn a little bit more to your creation than we do to you as the creator. Sometimes we end up being focused on the things that are around us and that are tangible, that we can sense and feel, see, all of those things, God, and and not as focused on you as we need to be. And so, Father, I pray that for those things that distract us and attract us and drag us away from our devotion to you, Father, we pray that you would get those out of our lives. For that person here who is is nagged by some attraction that prevents their heart from being completely yours. Father, I pray that you'd get it out of their lives. I pray that you would give them the strength to push it aside and be devoted entirely to you. God, I look at so many good things that we do in our church family, and it's all because you are working it through individuals here who've given themselves completely to you. I see it every day. For that, I thank and praise you, and I just pray that for all of us, we could have such committed hearts. Send your spirit that we might be transformed and focused on your will in our lives. We pray these things through Jesus. Amen.